0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. Let's jump in. Uh, we're in uh, Mark, Chapter 1. So I hesitate to say this. But I'm going to say it. We might get through eight verses today. I I, I think we can. I think we can. So we'll see. All right, we're in Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read Mark chapter 1, and then I'm going to ask you a question that I told you at the end of last week's lesson that I was going to ask you. So I'll I'll put it up on the screen. And the question is, uh, what has God been teaching you through what we've studied so far in Mark? So what has God been teaching you? What we've been studying so far in Mark. So I'm going to read Mark chapter 1 and feel free to listen or read along or think about this question as uh, I read. So Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And that evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases. and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. One of my favorite things to do each week is just to stand up and read the Bible. Um, There's just nothing else like it, and I hope you recognize that too. So the question on the board, uh, what has God been teaching you through what we've studied so far in Mark? Josh, you got something there. Yes. This sense of immediacy. So so let me help you oh, there we go. Thank you. All right. I was going to say, so what is God teaching you about this text? So this sense of immediacy and obedience. Excellent. Excellent. Dave? Keep going. Yeah, uh, One more. I, Let's hold the mirror up, yeah. real close. Yeah, yeah. No, we exactly <laughs> Jesus right. does something for us life changing, and we don't do what He tells us to. Right? Right. Cool. Right. Like, so, yeah. um, I, I, I don't want to go to where it says it's almost comforting because I find myself doing something. But at the same time, you know, uh, that's still the goal and yeah. yeah, to do exactly Christ says. Amen. One more. Yes, Matt. He's waving back there at me. He's like, I'm flagging you down. What happens? Yeah. the demon knew better, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see that as we go through uh, Mark over and over and over again. Uh, So this question is not mine. I uh, steal a lot. Uh, This is uh, from Brian Smith on Wednesday night. Uh, And I don't know what your little copy of Mark looks like, but mine is getting uh, hard to read some of the first and second and third chapters of Mark because we're we're now in chapter 5 on Wednesday nights. It's just this breakneck speed, right? We're like 10 or 11 weeks in, and he's on chapter 5. I just, it's, it's amazing to me. But I've got all these questions, so I've started to kind of go back, and we're going to start baking some of these back into what we're doing on Sunday mornings, because so they're very, very good questions. And, and the reason I like this question, I want to make sure I, I clearly articulate what I'm not asking. I am not asking, what does this mean to you? Because I don't care like passionately, wholeheartedly, aggressively, and antagonistically, I do not care what it means to you. Uh, I do care what God's been teaching you throughout what we've been learning so far in this text. I think that is a really good... This, that, Brian asked this question several weeks ago, and I thought, wow. Like, Who am I most like in the Gospel of Mark? And to be honest, I am an awful lot like the Pharisees. Building up knowledge, and building up knowledge, and building up knowledge. Look what I know, look what I know. And this question is, what is God doing with that? This is a a transformational, this is a uh, sanctification process that that God is doing in our hearts and in our lives. So we're going to start with reading the text and then asking this question uh, every week that I can remember to do it. So we'll do that. So today's text... Uh, we're starting in verse 21. Yes, there's a staple. Yes, there's more than two pages in the staple. We had you had, to, you had no staple last week. So this is like averaging out what ought to be right. So just saying. All right, so today's text, uh, Literary observ- uh, Structural Observations, is the first of many, many miracles that Mark documents in his gospel. Uh, and, uh, and And when I say miracle, I'm talking about uh, Jesus interacts with somebody and there's some miraculous thing that happened uh, in a very, very real sense. The baptism of Jesus was a miracle because the skies rip open. We hear a voice from heaven. We see the Holy Spirit. We see the, the, the Trinity in action. I mean, this is something that, as far as we can tell, had not happened in the history of the earth before. Uh, but this is Jesus actively working out and doing something. So let's take a look at uh, verse 21. Uh, and they. <clears throat> all right, so let's stop there. Um, sorry, you just like Darla's like you are not getting through eight verses today. All right, so who's they? It's open book. Take a look at the verses right above that. You got your copy of Mark open. Jesus and who? Yeah, uh, which disciples? Because I'm not. I'm not thoroughly convinced he's gathered them all up yet, but maybe he has. Uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. There we go. All right. So we have a, a small cadre, right? They went into Capernaum. So where is Capernaum? Uh, Capernaum is way up here in the northern portion of Galilee, not too far from the Sea of Galilee. Um, so they went into Capernaum and uh, immediately on the Sabbath. So what is, what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is this day that's set aside for what? Rest and worship. There you go. Rest and worship. Uh, and they entered the synagogue. And so so I want to make sure that, that we don't take, because this is incredibly, incredibly easy to do, that we don't take our 21st century understanding of what a synagogue is and superimpose it back into Mark chapter 1. Because a synagogue in the first century was not what we see today as synagogues. Uh, it's a significantly different place. Um, the the, uh, so what, was, what building that was really significant to Jewish people was standing at this time in history? The temple was standing, right. And uh, the temple was where the Old Testament law commanded obedient Jews to go and to perform certain functions. Like, you, you go there. Synagogues, like somebody turned to the passage in the Old Testament law that talks about the synagogues. Thank you. You did a very good job with that. There are none, right? The synagogue was the, the, the modern uh, way to have a... a um, I hate the phrase community center because it's, it's, it's just got all kinds of political stuff hanging off of it. Uh, but it was a public place where people could come and gather in their community. It was also a place where a rabbi could go and could teach. Um, and Jesus being a rabbi, he would, be, would have been welcome. He would have had teaching privileges at a synagogue that he went into. So he on the Sabbath, he enters the synagogue, which in and of itself, don't skip past, Jesus was where he was supposed to be on the day he was supposed to be there. So thank you for being where you're supposed to be on the day you're supposed to be there. He entered the synagogue and was teaching. Now, this word for teaching is uh, didasco, and this is imperfect. This is action continually or repeatedly happening in the past time. So, this idea of he, this is a pattern with him, and you, you really don't get that from just this verse, but this was something that he would have done uh, regularly. And he was teaching in verse 22 and they were astonished. So, again, an imperfect. So, this was not the first time they had been astonished at something that had been taught by Jesus. So, they were astonished, this expresso. Uh, to strike with astonishment. This is just r- really, really big. Astonished at his teachings, see, we're already on the second page of the handout. O ye of little faith. It's actually not little faith. It's, it's a long history of example that I've given you. And you, yeah. you, you shouldn't actually have any confidence at all that we'll get the eight verses today. But we'll see. Uh, and he was teaching. So you see that Didasco in verse 21 in the uh, uh didak uh, in verse 22, this is um, a, a different part of speech, and he was teaching. For he taught Didasco again them as one who had authority. Exousia. This is privilege or force or capacity or competence, and, and I love that that last word in the second part of the definition there: freedom. Um, he, I, I'm sorry, I can't hear a word you just said. Would he not have done what anyway? Uh, no. How do we know that? This is a that's a fantastic question that the text actually answers. It's open book. Look at your text. What you got, Jay? Yeah. Yeah. This they were astonished at this because the. Um, Skip down to uh, with authority. I'm going to come back and talk about authority for just a second more. And not as the scribes. All right. Um, what's the Greek word for scribes, Stacy? Yeah. You, what is it? What English word does it look like? Grammar, right? Yeah, their job was to write things down. Their job was to copy. They would read And they would read then the Jewish commentaries on the text. And then they would read the uh, current day uh, rabbis teaching about the Jewish commentaries on the text. And then they would sometimes talk about the different interpretations of the different current rabbis uh, teachings on the commentaries and the various commentaries of the text. And if you're sitting there wondering, this feels like a lot of commentaries. Yes. Yes. So when Jesus rolls up and takes the word and teaches it and doesn't refer to commentaries and doesn't refer to anybody else's teaching, but his yoke, his teaching, is different. They all go, "Oh, this is not normal. This is and it and it freaks them out." So in the uh, Jim Fleming Modern Translation. Uh, He had one in this and immediately there was in their synagogue I mean and they just they start to panic, right? This is a what is going on here? This is abnormal. Yes, Daniel? I saw I saw you and I was coming back. when I read that, I almost what I envision is the difference between somebody with book knowledge versus experience was is the way I see that. I love the way you put that. Because who was there when the Old Testament was written? Who was there at the foundation of the earth? <laughs> it's like the definition of experience, you know? <laughs> like, what does his resume look like? Well, it's really long. <laughs> or you could just say, I did it all. You know, him with all the power doesn't need all the words. He shows up and he says, I am. You like, Okay, that was a Bob Goff quote, by the way, it's not me. So, all right, back over here. Yes, sir. Isn't this a great text? I love this text. Yes. On the road to Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us. Yeah. So I'm going to take a little aside. There's really only like, I don't know, 70 or 80 different places that I would really have loved to have been in the Scripture when they happened. It's actually a couple hundred. That's that's in my top two. Absolutely the top two. Because Jesus does something on that hour and a half, two hour long walk. Because it only takes like two hours to walk between those two cities. He tells them the whole story of the Old Testament. And to hear God's summary of God's story. As a teacher... For those of you that are teachers, do your hearts just not go, could we not have had a recording of that? <laughs> and the reality is, we didn't need a recording of that. We have God's recording of that. And uh, it is, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. But, but he would do these things in a way, he would do things that other people had done in ways that just amazed people. Right? What was the one thing the disciples asked him to teach him? How to pray. You think they'd never heard anybody pray before? They'd heard people pray in their whole lives, right? But he did it different. What's that? Uh, maybe, but he was doing something that they hadn't seen or experienced before in a way that was just authoritative. So you may hear this word authority come up a time or two as we go through Mark. That's a joke for any of you that are in Brian's Wednesday night class. Um, But he does this with authority and he does it with authority because he has the authority Jesus shows up in Revelation and he opens the scrolls and he does this and he does that because he has authority All of heaven looks around and says who is worthy to do this? And then Jesus walks up and does it From the beginning of the book to the very last page we demonst- We see the demonstration of his authority, and it is a beautiful thing. So it shouldn't surprise us that they are surprised when they see authority, but it does, because we're people too. As one who had authority and not as the scribe. So this contrast between uh, these secretaries, these writers, these grammarians, uh, which I, it, I, I don't want to go too far in... Uh, belittle, I certainly don't want to belittle the role of the scribes. We should be very, very grateful for the work of uh, millennia of work of the scribes who copied and copied and copied and copied and copied and copied. God worked through that to preserve his word for us today. We rejoice over their output, but they didn't do it with authority, right? Think of them as a copy machine, not as a someone who is going to stand up and herald the truth of Scripture. So verse 23. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean. Now this word unclean shows up 11 times in Mark. So I want us to make sure that we are paying attention when unclean things happen because when unclean things rise up in Mark, the righteousness of Jesus rises up and overpowers every time. So I want you to watch and see how this works every single time. This unclean spirit, this unclean pneuma, this is the exact same word we use for the Holy Spirit, uh, except we put hagios, the Greek word for holy, in front of the spirit when it's the Holy Spirit. And you put uh, uh akathartos, sorry, uh, in front of it when it's an unclean spirit. So you, you kind of... this Mark's trying to tell us which team this guy's playing for, right? So the unclean spirit... And he cries out. He screams out. So I don't know how many of you have ever listened to those, um, the the audio Bibles, but there's a word for it. Where they they acted out and they have the different voices. yeah, yeah, Dramatized, right? This would be a really good place for it. And I didn't do it this morning and I I thought about it, but I also didn't want to like blow out our spit. I don't know how good these are. And Daryl's not here, so there'd be all kinds of stories that would be told, so I don't can't do that. Uh, and he cried out, What have you to do with us? Scroll back up to verse twenty three. It was a man in their synagogue with an unclean, with an unclean spirit. How many? What have you to do with us? That's interesting. All right. We'll put that in our back pocket. Come back to it. Uh, And then he calls him by name, right? Jesus of Nazareth. So this is his hometown. Have you come to... Look at there on page three of the handout already. Some of you are like, are you cheating or something? Nope, nope, not cheating at all. Have you come to destroy the... uh, Apollymi. Uh, for those of you that have read any of the uh, Left Behind series, uh, I'm not going to get into whether how good they are or not good they are. But there is a word, Apollyon, that shows up uh, in that series, and it is very closely connected to this particular word, come to destroy. Uh, and it means to destroy fully, to perish or to lose, to to make to make them cease from being. So, have you come to destroy us? And I. I think this says a lot about the demon's mindset, if I could go as far as to give them a mind. Um, like they see the creator and there's panic because they think that their existence about, is about to come to an end, right? And, and if I rewind back to Isaiah and I listen to Isaiah's words when he sees the prophecy, woe is me for I am... Undone. I have. I have come apart. Now, I don't want to. Like, no, no, I'm not going to say that. Yes, I am. Um, This is not like when Thanos snaps his fingers and everybody. Like, that is not the kind of. This is a. I have nothing left. I have. I have come. Like, I've just fallen apart. Because I. I can't stand before this. And this demon says, "Have you come to destroy us? I know." And if you see the highlighted question marks there, my uh, spreadsheet that does all my stuff broke right here. Uh, so in about two-thirds of the resources that I use for Greek words, there's a uh, Greek word 3608A. I can't find that one anywhere. So if you know of a resource that will tell us the answer for 3608A, that would be fantastic. But I don't. I do know that it's present active indicative. So I know who you are. This is an indicative. This is a statement of fact. So the demon is, like, this is, if you, if the, if the demon has a creed, I am making a statement of fact as to what I believe. I know who you are, the Holy One, the Haggios of God. Now, is that a true statement? Is Jesus the Holy One of God? Yes, absolutely. Completely and totally right. Uh, and it is very interesting that I, demons are have shockingly good theology. Like, just shockingly good theology. Especially about the person of Jesus Christ. Right? So who am I to say that Jesus is not God? I, there are... There are uh, groups. We'll go that far, uh, that do not believe that Jesus Christ is God, and I. I just think it's really sad that demons have better theology. He is God, and He's about to demonstrate it right here, verse twenty-five. But Jesus rebuked, and this is to censure or admonish. I love this saying. And this is a present active participle, so he did this several times. Saying, be silent. Now, he just gave a demon an imperative. So, guess what happens when Jesus gives a demon an imperative? Submission is about to occur, right? And it means to muzzle. So, he's going to muzzle this demon and come out. And this word is uh, exercomai. And this is another imperative. It means to issue or to, to, to remove, uh, to come out of him. So he says, be silent and come out of him. Be silent and come out of him. Be silent and come out of him. Now, I have no idea why he would say it multiple times, but verse 26, and then unclean spirit, convulsing. And this, this word, is a, it's a really horrible word, uh, spirasso, uh to mangle or to convulse with epilepsy. And, and I've, I've highlighted this epilepsy portion here because I want to draw a point that a lot of people, a lot of theologians have in the past that is really spectacularly bad theology. Because what happens a lot of times is you'll see somebody that, uh, that is a Christian and they will look at some physical activity and they won't understand it and they'll assume that some demon is causing this sickness and we actually see Strong's propensity to believe this in his definition. So this is a really, really bad definition of this particular word, but it does mean to mangle or to convulse. It means to thrash about and to, to, to move uh, a lot. And I just I, I, I highlight this because I just want to say everything's not about demons, okay? Okay. If, if you go through and you look at all the people Jesus heals in Mark, there's a whole lot more that are not demonic than are. So, so while this can be in the arena of possible, it is not a, well, somebody's sick, that means you've got a demon of sickness. No. No, you don't. Stop that. Quit, like, There's a lot of things I want to do in life. I don't want to give the devil and his demons too much credit. Right? I want to give Jesus credit. Because Jesus does something that is beautiful right here. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, what? It's the exact word Jesus told him to do. He can't help but to do exactly what Jesus told him to do. I love this. This is fantastic. And he came out of him. Now, don't get the wrong idea with this word convulsing and this, this definition of mangle. Uh, the, the person was not actually harmed. There's a parallel passage in Luke 4 that talks about that this person was actually okay after this action occurred. So th- this, this guy was all right at the end of this, which kind of makes sense because you, you're you all right after Jesus heals you. So Yes, ma'am. I you saying that because if you compare uh with the demon out to the pigs, it didn't sound like the pigs. I mean, the pigs ran through the lake and the water. Yes. But they didn't seem to come home. Well, it was not mentioned that they seemed to come That's right. We sorry to the humans that he would stop We're going to get to that guy. <laughs> He's a fun story too. <laughs> so, so, when you see unclean in this particular text, unclean rises up, confronts this space that Jesus is physically occupying, and what happens? It submits. This is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. Verse 27 And they were all amazed. <laughs> what a day this would have been to show up to synagogue, right? <laughs> Can you imagine, like you had a cold that morning and you didn't get to go and you missed that day and you're never going to guess what happened in synagogue today. I, I got to imagine that the next week's attendance was really high, like, like really, really high. And they were all amazed. It means to stupefy. And I don't know if you've ever been a I mean, just, like, what just happened? So that they questioned among themselves. And this is one of the things that Jesus does on purpose over and over and over in the Gospels, is he will ask someone a question, and he's trying to get this conversation, sometimes with others and sometimes within themselves, going and question and question and question. So there's this discussion that goes on among themselves, saying over and over and over again with this present active participle, what is this. Right? Hey Grace. If I cast out a demon this morning in Sunday school, it would it would freak you out a little bit, right? And then would you tell anybody? Yeah. Probably like right now. You'd be like, I'm on my phone, what is this? What is like I'm gonna live stream it and this is crazy and I don't know that I would have really uh, the sense of mind to form a question really any more complicated than, what is this? This is crazy. A new teaching with authority. So now they're combining this teaching and authority. He commands. (laughs) Yes, he does. He commands, and even the unclean spirits, and they obey. This is hupakuo. This is very similar to the uh, hupotasso for submit. They they obey, they line up, uh, they listen, and then attend and conform to the authority. They obey him, and at once, his fame spread. What word is it? It's the same word that Jesus commanded the demon to do, to come out, and then the demon came out, and then the word went out. It spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So they're in Capernaum, and it goes out all in the surrounding region of Galilee. This is a large territory. Everything blew up. Remember, we talked already that everybody knew who John the Baptist was. And when John starts pointing at Jesus and saying, this is the man, people paid attention. And now this man is doing stuff that people are paying attention to. Everybody knew him. This was a big, big deal. And oh, by the way, we've only scratched the surface as to what Jesus is going to do in the Gospel of Mark. Ah, is fantastic. He's about to blow it all up. So, how about next week we start with verse 29? Because we got through eight verses. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, so your homework for next week. The fifth page of your handout there. Pray for help in understanding Mark. Hear Mark multiple times. Uh, Think about Mark often, day and night. Talk with somebody, dead or alive, about Mark. Share your insights about Mark, and then invite a member and a non member. So, that is our Sunday school lesson for today. Thank you for coming. Your uh, prayer request should be on uh, your table with the blue strip across the top. When I was printing these this morning, had I thought about it, I would have printed them with a green streak across the top for St. Patrick's Day, but I didn't, so there's that. And uh, after you have prayed as uh, as a table, you are free to go into the sanctuary and worship this one who even the demons submit to his authority. It is a beautiful thing. So, thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.